Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at That's Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Ah. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. <laughs> Tonight, we got them. Goldie and the Salt. And it starts right now. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of A Typical Disgusting Display, a podcast for writers by writers who hate writing. Hello, guys. How are you today? Hello. Hello. Hi. Go- Hi. <laughs> Hey Goldie, yeah, really you seem so chill. See you. Your voice sounds so dead today. Oh, it's wonderful. Yeah, what did you do? Did you yeah. do something different? I'm a blanket in my audio recording space. Oh, oh lovely. Love yeah. it. So really love my home it. looks like a meth lab. <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna start. Don't calling. look in here. I'm recording, and I need a dead voice. <laughs> oh, it's the, the first dead. joke of the day. First joke of the day. I was like, you know what? Once the, in a while, I gotta give it to the Alec. The dead but bald era of. Baseball. <laughs> um, how dare you? How dare I? I know those are those are the jokes that you're allowed uh, to make. By the way, I, I don't know how many people follow me on Twitter, but I I, I have been posting Lots. this, and you know it, it is something it's... really fascinating to look out for because the stock market has been in wild fluctuations lately. Yeah. Every time the market crashes, the CNBC homepage <laughs> features a picture. Of a bald trader. Yeah, <laughs> I, I saw that. A bald guy who's totally exasperated. And then it goes up and they find someone with hair to be like, market flying high. And it's, it's like three people with hair. And it's like market crashing. Bald guy. I'm not making this up. It's, so I've been documenting this on my Twitter. Yeah. But I it's insane. It. Like they're clearly doing it on purpose. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, well, it sends the right message. It sends the right message. I think that we can all agree with that. Hilarious. Now, Goldie, I know you had a couple of things you wanted to talk about, but I just wanted to talk briefly about a story of uh, local interest here in the Boston area. You may have seen this on the news, if it was a slow news day where you were. Uh, DJ Steve Aoki, uh, who I guess is, you know, kind of a very popular DJ. Son of uh, uh, Rocky Aoki, who created Benihana, if I'm not mistaken. I th- is yeah, that true? Yes. And yeah. brother Amazing. of Devin Aoki, the model. Anyway. Okay, JC seems to have done a deep dive <laughs> no, into the Aoki's, <laughs> the Aoki Doki. Yeah, weirdly, you know the Asian model guy. Okay, no, no, it's a woman. It's a woman. Oh, it's a woman. Okay, <laughs> yes. even better. So forward me that link. Um, anyway, so Steve Aoki threw out the first pitch at a Red Sox game like a couple days ago, 
And it was just one of those all-time bad first pitches. You know, so they were showing it on all the all the news, like, well, something this DJ might want to forget. Yeah. And he just, well, We're you know, not going to address the events in Buffalo and Boston, but what no. we will do is show no. you a wacky, wild pitch of Steve Aoki. <laughs> exactly. No, there's too much animosity towards the Bills to discuss yeah. anything happening in Buffalo. But, yes, so we, the, in lieu of actual news, we got to see this thing where... Maybe you guys saw it. When he throws it, you can almost literally hear the the woo sound effect as it goes like 15 to 20 feet over anyone's head into the netting above home plate. Like it didn't even just hit the net. I mean, it thank went, God that was there to protect the people. I know. To protect, killed by Steve Aoki's first pitch. To protect the four people who are there when that first pitch is uh, uh, thrown out. Anyway, so Goldie, it got me thinking because I know, you know, we sort of – elevate our athletic careers in <coughs> retrospect. Uh, how, do, how do you think we would do with this first pitch? Uh, oh, great. I, okay, yeah. <laughs> I, knew, I had a feeling it would be something like that. And based on what? Based on the fact that I would practice. I wouldn't go out there cold, first of all. I would right. do what, what uh, George W. Bush did uh, post 9-11. Yeah. You got to go out there. I mean, you, you throw a, a strike. Yes. And, and you're a legend. Yeah, so I'm gonna train, and you know what? I'm probably gonna go with a nuxie. I'm gonna throw a knuckleball so I keep the speed down, but the trajectory, you know, it gets a little tricky. But it's it's manageable for a guy like you. Like you can't with no training throw heat. Right? No, no. And so here's what I the way I thought about it was okay. So I don't know if this is true for everyone on this podcast. I played varsity baseball for two years in high school. Not a big deal. But so and for anyway, a gritty public school? <laughs> well, no, you might think so. You mean a school that had 150 boys and four classes? Yes, I made the team somehow. You made varsity. Uh, somehow wow. I made it. Um, anyway, I had the uh, dubious distinction of I would throw batting practice for the whole team just wow. because I didn't throw hard and I threw accurately. So yeah. it was Did like, you stand you know, behind the net? No, we didn't have that. We didn't oh have God. that. Oh, my God. Did you? Con- <laughs> were you constantly worried? I never got beamed, knock on wood. Not like it's going to happen again, but I never, I never got. Here's where I did get in trouble. So I throw batting practice for the whole team. They're all up there just ripping away into the woods. You know, everything's getting home run derby when I'm out there. <laughs> but then when I go to bat, that's when I get the drunk assistant coach oh, no. who would come in and throw batting practice for just me, Mr. Nelson, Al Nelson. All right. And he used to stand up there on the mound and he was like famously a drunk and everybody just kind of loved it right, and knew it. 80s. Ho- hopefully rest in peace or. Yeah, I think so. I yeah. think rest in peace. I'll have to or, or research that. Or else you're that. just now a known drunk, Al yeah. Nelson. <laughs> yeah, well, it, he's probably drunk right now, so if he's alive, he won't care. Um, but he would throw me batting practice, and he used to plunk me multiple times <laughs> for batting practice. And he would he would always have these little phrases before he'd throw it. He'd be like, all right, here comes the bender. And then he'd throw it. The minute it, le- the minute it left his hand, he'd go, look out. <laughs> so was, uh, <laughs> like he would hit me in the side all the time. What a great job. Yeah. I would take that job right now. I know. If I knew, like, you could just be buzzed all the time. Oh, and then, God. And then when you came up, come in, <laughs> being you, oh, look out. Buzz senior year. Did you, uh, did you play all through high school? Baseball? Yeah. 
Yeah, I did. I was on JV my first two years, and I was on varsity the second two years. And now here's another little funny connected story. Did you try so, to go out at college because you went to no? You know, God, I went to a Goyles college. They don't right, even know if they I had asked, a team. I, mean, I was wondering did if you would team? be yeah. the star of. Did they have a baseball team? I don't think they did. I don't. I, I'm pretty sure they did not. They definitely didn't have a football team. I don't think they had a, a baseball team. We did certainly didn't have a field that I can remember. Um, but about the varsity baseball, so our friend Goldie. Our friend Todd Kidder was also uh, on the baseball team. And so during the season, you get these, like, official team jacket, you know? It was like a kind of like a cool windbreaker that said Middlesex School yeah. and on the yeah. back. You get it. There used and to be nothing cooler than nothing. a jacket with your school's or town's name <laughs> on it. And that? your name stitched into the arm. So this is exactly what I'm getting to. And, yes. and you're 100 It was so significant. So significant. And it, it would get you in fights. Not me, but like... No, people, you would... You, oh, if we yeah. went to Wallex, which was between Waltham and Lexington, and you had a Lexington jacket, and they had a Waltham jacket, yeah. it was understood <laughs> you were going to go outside and maybe have a rumble. A rumble. <laughs> and get your ass kicked by the tougher kids from Waltham. Yeah, well, they had knives. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they were... They were no joke. Um, but so anyway, our friend Todd, who uh, we may mention a time or two when we're talking about Sideways later, um, <laughs> yeah. he, so we're all, the jackets have arrived, you know, and it's the beginning of practice. And so the coach is taking them out of the box and we're all looking for our jackets and everything. And so I remember distinctly, we're all kind of standing around the box and we're all looking at our jackets proudly. And I look over at my friend Todd and he's looking at his jacket, and he's got this look of, like, fucking no. A on his face. And he turned his jacket around, and instead of being stitched in cursive, the name Todd, it said Judd. <laughs> <laughs> Which is just something that, like, I don't know, you couldn't have calculated, like, a better joke. It wasn't even a joke. It was a mistake, which was why it was so funny. That he just it's also so a moment that now that we're almost 50, like, you can look back on that and go, that's when it started. Yes. <laughs> that's when everything started going yep. wrong for me. Was that's right. The Judd. fucking Judd jacket. <laughs> yeah. Like, that's how I would look at it. And I'm sure he does, too. Anyway, yeah. that, like, for me, it good. was it was the... the <laughs> The excitement leading up to the event and then being ushered into an auditorium and then the challenger exploding on TV. Oh, that was yes. to me the beginning of like, oh, no. oh wait, this life is not going to go as planned, <laughs> yeah. is it? Oh, God. Uh, anyway, so that Steve Aoki got me thinking about all that stuff. Um, yeah, but but uh, Goldie, you, were, you, you wanted to talk about a couple things up top. A couple what, things. We'll see. I, the first is a is a very short thing. You went to a wedding last week, and it got yes. me thinking. I just wanted to give one piece of advice to <laughs> everyone who's about to be married. And this is actually really more specifically for the guys. I apologize. But it's helpful for women you know, <laughs> okay. as well. Yeah. So when you get married, at, at some point, your wife is going to arrive home with a giant floppy straw hat. <laughs> Maybe more than one. She'll never have shown any interest prior to your marriage. There was in no, wearing warning. no warning. Just 
a pagoda on her head. <laughs> but then something will flip in her brain, and suddenly you're just going to be with someone who is wearing a thatched roof. And you just need to accept it. That's it. Don't dig into it. Don't fight it. Just And I, I swear to God, I, I sometimes before I say something on the air, I like to test it out on someone uh, sure. you know someone someone who doesn't listen to the podcast who who's an unwitting mark for uh, <laughs> material you know they're beta testing my material yes. i'm right. just i'm just seeing that it's sound it's like you know you don't launch the spruce goose with multiple passengers <laughs> you make sure it's flight worthy right so there's uh, a fella i bought a guitar from uh about four or five months ago and we're still in touch, we text about guitars. Very nice cool. guy, yeah. and I knew he was about to get married, so I I texted that <laughs> to him. Twenty minutes later, he texts me back, and he's he's getting married this weekend. He yeah. texts me back, and he says, "I don't even know how to explain this." There's a picture of a giant hat on the table, and he said, my fiancé just brought this home. I swear to God. He still has time to get out. Yeah. He still has time to get out. No, you don't need to get out. I just, you just need it's to just, be aware this is going to happen, and, like, don't freak out about it. It's fine, but it, it's going to happen. That your wife will come home wearing a giant wicker basket from a Moroccan bazaar yeah, on top of her head. It'll look like someone weaved together 10,000 trees. Skits. <laughs> and she's and she has it on her head and she's gonna just wear it everywhere when she's with you yeah i know and I, and believe me i've i've gone through this you're it's accurate tall has one yeah. and and there it's that i don't thing, have one yet you don't not yet no no or but are you into like sun protection yeah yeah yes i mean so you'll get one it's, it's just a matter of time like some people get it right, right before the marriage yeah, like once they lock in you're, they're not going to be alone. They say, okay, I can be seen everywhere in this giant weird hat. Yeah. <laughs> and so you can't counsel really any advice. This is more just like acceptance. The yes. advice is yeah. to be prepared. It's, it's what Warren Buffett says in times of turmoil. The advice is to do nothing. Yeah. There's a psychological <laughs> technique called gray rock which is mostly for dealing with narcissists where you just picture yourself as a giant gray rock and you say only yes or no or wow i understand you feel that way wow is that how you do protecting yourself so i would advise is that how you deal with me no <laughs> what do you do to deal with Alex? No, he just did it. Right over my head. Yeah, he's even, he's wearing him. a gray sweatshirt. You too. just don't react. <laughs> That's great advice. Um, all right, well, so that was fun to talk about the, yeah. the straw hats. We we know it. We've lived through it. We're living through and it. Maybe and maybe I'm beta testing it on our podcast audience Ooh, for something yeah. even bigger. Ooh. Maybe I have something oh. bigger planned. I don't. Whoa. But I love that tease, though. I love that tease. All right, so we're both great baseball players, and we both live with uh, large-hatted women. Listen, I, between the first pitch and also, if I ever get called to make a half-court shot, 
Oh, yes. At a basketball game, like, they pull you out of the stands and they say, you'll win a car, you'll win $10,000. I'm fucking hitting that shot. There's no question. (laughs) There's no question in my mind I nail it. (laughs) Yeah, I agree. You know, it's funny because I usually make fun of you for having an inordinate amount of confidence in these sort of athletic endeavors. But I agree with you on this one. And, in fact, when I used to have Clippers season tickets – you have like a contact within the Clippers organization who's basically the guy who makes sure you keep buying tickets year after yeah. year. But I would I would text him and I would say, you got to give me this half-court shot. Like, you got to let me – it never <laughs> happened. But, like, I did get, like, a couple of those things where I got to high-five the players as they were running out onto the court. Oh, cool. But I, I, all I wanted was that half-court shot. I would still <laughs> yeah. have that Kia today. I, I mean, the still first thing I do is I just turn to the crowd – Finger in the air before yes, the shot, bird, and, bird. and I do one of these. I do yeah. the upside down bird, yeah, like nice. get out of your seat. Right. Yes. <laughs> Actually, one of the greatest things I ever saw at a game was there was a, a dad who you know didn't look like he was much of an athlete, and he was out there with his eight year old kid. I don't remember if I was with you at a Clipper game. And he hit the half-court shot and won a Kia, and his kid went bananas. And it was like, I had tears in my eyes. That's awesome. That was better than any championship. (laughs) I know. I would go to just – actually, if the Clippers didn't have the game and they just said, like, we're doing 50 half-court shots (laughs) for prizes, I would be more likely to go. That's absolutely true. And I, and I love that you're totally right with the the eight-year-old going nuts and what an awesome moment that is. And I I can only imagine that you would probably rather – see your dad hit a half-court shot than to have been like a fly on the wall at Guadalcanal when he was earning his purple heart. <laughs> it's just like, nope, rather see the half-court shot. I can't envision a scenario where my dad would take a half-court shot. <laughs> <I> know. <laughs> He's way too like he would. It would have been too frivolous for him or something. Yes. Like he would have had a some philosophy about it. Like, you know, if I'm going to get a car, I'm going to earn it. Yeah, or something no, I'm, like I'm they not paying. They're gonna give you one. I'm not paying <laughs> taxes on a car that I oh, don't that, pick it would, out. Joe. That would be that. <sighs> that they get you on the taxes on that. <laughs> the whole thing is just it's a, it's a money loser. Yeah. <laughs> Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crow portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Oh, well, that's funny, and probably a lot more funny than the next section <laughs> of our program that we call Johnny Jokes. And here we go from Hollywood. Here's Johnny's. 
I'm running out of ways to put a twist on it. Man. I it's love it. Great. You twist it every time. Yeah. Twisting oh, the I night can't. away. It's really good. I love good. it. I can't. You gotta. I, I can't and you gotta. I can't. That's <laughs> where, every time we say on this program, I can't and you gotta, we're imitating Gladys, who ran our, our ah. comedy club, Gladys's... Um, and it was just I whenever you know. asked for something, the answer yeah, I was can't. I can't. And then if it was she was asking you for something, it was you gotta. Yeah, you gotta <laughs> go out and balk. You gotta bring in twelve people. And then that just became compressed into the character of I can't. You gotta. I can't. <laughs> you gotta. <laughs> anyway. All right. Well, I gotta tell these terrible you gotta, jokes. You gotta. I gotta. All right. Well, maybe you heard this Skittles oh. Candy Company Skittles has issued a recall after they discovered a thin metal rod could be in the candy. Uh, The recall was issued after a brief push for Skittles Taste the Rebar was deemed inappropriate. (laughs) Deemed. Deemed. (laughs) Fucked up the word. Okay. All right. In the wake of recent Supreme Court protests, Governor Ron DeSantis has signed a bill banning protests outside any residential property in the state of Florida. Legal experts say the bill would protect judges, senators, and Jimmy Buffett's. (laughs) Jimmy Buffett's plural. Who's protesting in front of Jimmy Buffett's house? Uh, Anyone who with ears. Thank you. Oh! (laughs) People don't like his music. I I didn't put that. Actually, they love his music. Well, they do. As do I. You do? Oh, it's wonderful, yeah. Uh, uh, Yeah. yeah. Wasted away again. (laughs) In Margaritaville. Not not just this one time. (laughs) Just buy a new salt shaker, Jimmy. Okay. Uh, Here, this was an interesting story and hot off the press. I wish I had a pencil-thin mustache. (laughs) (laughs) Don't keep doing Buffett songs. (laughs) Sorry. And uh, I can assure our audience that I did not come Monday. Here we go. Okay. (laughs) Hot off the press. (laughs) Here's another story. NASA's Mars rover just sent back pictures of what is clearly an intricately made door in the side of a rock formation. This is true. Uh, When asked what was inside, the chief scientist replied, it's 9 p.m., we're not going to knock now. (laughs) 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 All right, and lastly, that was a true story, by the way. That's very interesting. uh, That's all anyone should be talking about. (laughs) I know, but they're not. Al Capone's vault, send Geraldo up there. (laughs) Yeah, there we go. (laughs) Geraldo. (laughs) Geraldo. Always a good punchline. And last joke. An 80s music festival in Palm Springs was canceled last week due to record-setting temperatures. Uh, apparently, they decided to call it off when the staff couldn't locate Mr. Mr.'s Mr.'s. <laughs> Second Johnny. Uh, that was a bonus. That was bonus joke. That was, those were good, my friend. Yeah. Well done. I lucked into it. Well done. Well... <clears throat> Kim Kardashian. Kim Kardashian (laughs) is on the cover of this year's Sports Illustrated swimsuit issue. Mm. Is it just me or does she have this totally backwards? Aren't you supposed to become a model, then do porn? (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Well, producers of the Alec Baldwin movie where the director of photography was accidentally killed on set will finish production. Oh. Yeah. Uh, but there have been some rewrites in the movie. 
Uh, Baldwin now plays an old West cowboy who roams the range, settling disputes with light shoving. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. Okay. (laughs) The manager of an Arby's was arrested for peeing in the milkshakes. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. But what's the meat's excuse? <laughs> and finally, uh, are you watching this Johnny Depp trial? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's everyone's watching it. Uh, Depp's ex-wife, Amber Heard, took the stand yesterday and said she didn't poop in their marital bed. It was their Yorkshire Terrier. Well, there goes her job at Arby's. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was great. Excellent. Yay. Oh, the tie-in. I yeah, love that. When, when you get the two jokes set, that's like selling someone a, a car for them and a car for their wife. You yeah. Know, like, you just yeah. go, I, it's a double sale. Yeah, absolutely. That's yeah. like the first down with the 15-yard penalty tacked on. You're <laughs> so like, like, oh, a, we just moved 30 yards downfield. Back in the monologue days, you get you get a double in there, and, and you go out, awesome. you celebrate that night. You do. Yeah, you're going to Max's or the Dime. The first pitch is so good they say you know what go in there for the first inning yeah that's right. what you <laughs> aoki pitching from the stretch <laughs> um all right those were funny uh, we had a we always get such great emails from yeah. you who listen so thank you for those we read them all we we love them we love to hear from you and again that email address is uh, a typical disgusting display at gmail.com and this week we got one that 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 made us happy yeah. uh and so jc why don't you give that one a read? Okay. Uh, the subject is great work. Already good. All right. All right. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Dear Goldie, Alec, and JC. Yeah, I love it. He put me first. <laughs> I know. It's rare. That's great. He's probably bald. <laughs> <laughs> Just wanted to say great job on an amazing podcast. Mm. Thank you. Um, every episode is hilarious. I look forward to each Monday when a new one comes out. I'm actually a writer at the current version of The Late Late Show with James Corden. Awesome. Some of the other writers here are big fans as well. Some, not all. (laughs) I love all... We're not for everyone. (laughs) (laughs) I love all the insights, love the rants, and especially love the Johnny jokes. Keep up the amazing work, John Kennedy. Oh, yes. Thank Ask Not What Your Podcast Can Do For You. <laughs> Thank you, John Thank Kennedy. You John. Yeah. What a name. I mean, yeah. I got to say 50% of why we wanted to read that was that it's from John Kennedy. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're Massachusetts boys at heart. Right. Listen, as writers, all you want is praise from other writers. Yeah. It's, yes. you know, because you get somebody in your family tells you, oh, I saw that. I think it was, I thought it was funny. Like, it doesn't really matter as much. Yeah. No, but our families hear, don't matter at all. At all. <laughs> Zero. <laughs> Zilch. It's usually tied into some other kind of argument or disagreement that they're trying to make up for. But when you hear from other writers that they like what you're doing, that means a lot. So John Kennedy... Thank you. Thank you. And yeah. you know what? I, I can speak for myself. I like James Corden. I don't watch it all the time. I'm not up that late anymore. But <laughs> at his uh, singing in cars with karaoke with people with coffee, yes. whatever it's called. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. To the draw thing- so much attention to yourself hosting the 1230 show is incredible. Yeah. That's because it's, it's, I mean, think about network TV as a whole today, which yeah. is, you it's know. too bad he's leaving. It's, it's. Network TV 
has become the radio. It's yes. it's kind of official. Where you know these new things always come out like uh, stream. You know, in the in the '90s, it was like we're going to be able to stream video on, and you're going to be able to watch TV on the internet on your computer. And then you know it it goes to Instagram, TikTok. You don't need me to list what's happened. Everyone everyone yeah. sort of gets that. But there's this perception that whatever comes in is going to render whatever came before it extinct. But what ends up happening is everything sticks around, but the the soup just becomes thinner. The audience becomes more widespread. Like there is no reason we should still have AM radio. It, yeah. it kind of makes no sense None. that this thing exists in, in this world of the internet. But yeah. what ends up happening is it's habit forming for certain people, generally older, to turn this on in their car. And, but to get an audience on AM radio, you have to generally do a form of extreme talk. Like you have to be like Art Bell or Rush yeah. Limbaugh or you have to just be so loud yeah. and generally offensive Obnoxious. as to attract yeah. people. And and I think this is what's going on with network TV in a sense is like you look at like, oh, Rudy Giuliani on The mass Singer. Like they just have to do everything and embrace this extreme to get even a sliver right. of one, right. what they once got. And so – Tying it into Corden is like the fact that he's parlayed the attention from network TV into this bigger celebrity on the Internet is pretty remarkable and a credit to the writers there. Absolutely. Credit to the writers, uh, credit to Corden himself. And it makes me because I forgot, JC, and you're right, that recently Corden announced that he's at the end of this season, he's going to be stepping down as host and I can't help but wonder if this email timing has something to do with that. <laughs> the cynical side of me is coming out, John Kennedy. I better not see a Family Guy spec from John. Actually, you know what, John? You've earned the right to send yeah. it in. That was a very nice email. Um, yeah, and I was saying before, I'm like Junior Soprano. If somebody's named John Kennedy like Junior Soprano's doctor was, I'm going to be all in on that person. I'm like, yes. His name is John Kennedy. I bet Kennedy. he's a great writer. Um Anyway, thank you so much for that email, yeah. and thanks for all the emails from everybody. Yeah. Uh, they're all very fun to read, um, except for the fact that you said you loved the Johnny jokes, which means now we'll have to keep doing them. Because <laughs> we did get another if email. If we didn't do them, what are we doing? I know. Like, it's it's kind of the only true. thing we're doing. I know. It's the, <laughs> but it's a pain in the fucking ass. And it was funny because somebody else wrote in earlier in the week, and I'm sorry that I forgot. I think it was her, her name, but... She tagged in at the end. She's like, whether you do Johnny jokes or not, I'll keep listening. I was like, ooh, oh yes. my goodness. The <laughs> first sliver of light. Margaret Tally Bartholomew. Oh, Tally Ho. Love it. <laughs> Thank you for that. It gave me a, a glimmer of, uh, of hope of life without Johnny jokes. But now John Kennedy. Imagine uh, a town jacket that just said Tally Bartholomew on the <laughs> I love that. Awesome. Oh, God. They That's were a good one. So, yes. They were always so tough at Tally Bartholomew. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so this week we're going to get into our, our theme, our topic, which I teased a little bit earlier. And this is, we're going to talk today about the movie Sideways from 2004, because it's a movie, Goldie, that you and I have always bonded over how much we love it. It's a, it's a, a very well-written movie and incredibly well-performed, and we'll, we'll kind of get into those things. But it's a movie, um, probably a lot of you have seen it. It's what we call a two-hander in the business. It basically means just like, you know, two stars, and we kind of watch them the whole time, kind of like Midnight Run or something. Uh, But it's about uh, two friends, and one of them's getting married, and they go on a trip 
before the wedding up to wine country Los Olivos, not Napa, an important distinction, especially for Goldie. And we just kind of watched their relationship unfold. And, you know, it was directed by Alexander Payne, who is a fantastic writer-director. I don't know what more this guy has to do for us in his lifetime. I mean, he's done Election, About Schmidt, Sideways. There was another really good one after that. I forget. And then but, there's a couple. Yeah, there's a couple. Nebraska? Nebraska. Did he do that? Yeah. That was yeah. good. Nebraska. And there's one in Hawaii that's just... The Oh, The Descendants. Right, yeah. right. Yeah, yeah, so, okay. So, like anything, some to us are better than others. But to have three movies, yeah. Election, Sideways, and About Schmidt, those are three excellent movies, yeah. like three fantastic yeah. comedies. And so, so Goldie, why does Sideways speak to you so much? Well, I'm glad you asked, my friend. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <clears throat> There are a couple reasons, a couple things I thought about as we were doing this. And, the, and yeah. the first is, you know, less and less you see this type of movie today. But it's like you look at the the story, the plot, and it's not world beating. It's not innovative. No. But the fact it's the specificity of the characters yes. and the reality of it. And we'll go into sort of how analyzing a bit of how I think they, they get that. But they do an incredible job. And this, the second thing is... How often is it that you watch a movie that's a comedy and you actually learn things? Like it was really interesting. Like I, that movie, unfortunately, kind of helped turn me into an alcoholic, I think. I was going to say, how did you feel watching it now that you don't drink? Or did it make you want to drink wine? um, No, I'm I'm just older. It's interesting because when I saw it, I was kind of in the realm of those guys. I was younger than those guys by probably five years, but it was like, I, it really spoke to me because I was dating, I was navigating relationships in 2004. Um, yeah. And, you know, I, I owned a, a Saab. I owned the, the, the same car as the guy. Oh, wow. I mean, it was yeah. like, I wanted to be a writer. Like, clearly, I there was so much about the Paul Giamatti character for me to grab onto from sort of like the balding, the nebishiness. Like, so <laughs> obviously that was at play. But the fact that, you know, you learn about wine as you watch the movie, that to me is really fascinating that, you know, if you can seize on something you know about, and this is why in past episodes, I've... I've never said it this clearly, but don't be fucking boring as a person. Like, yes. don't neglect your personhood to pursue writing. Like, you will need stuff to write about, and that stuff will be your hobbies, your interests, you know, the things that you stay up late at night rehearsing. And it it, it can't just be comedy. Yes. Like, if yes. comedy is just your interest, you're a bore. But the, the fact that this person, you know, Rex Pickett, who wrote the novel it's based on, and Alexander Payne, took us into this world of wine and it, you know, I'll again go into it more specifically, but how you taste the wine, the different yes. varietals of the grape, and yeah. and you're picking up knowledge along the way that you're not just watching a story that that made it really compelling. Yeah. Um, yes. Another thing I wanted to talk about is this is a quintessential Gen X comedy, and I don't yes. think I've ever heard anyone phrase it that way. No, I but never have. But this you're was right. really about a specific moment in time, and something I've harped on again is how smartphones have ruined storytelling narrative and comedy and this movie was almost the last one to nail the level of technology perfectly where they had yes. these phones yeah so it was like people could get in touch with them but if you did it today it wouldn't work because it was like you know christine saw your instagram and you had this picture yeah. and stephanie was in the picture and then right. you know she's texting you and he'd be <laughs> looking at their phone and, and it, it would ruin it but i i feel like we relate to 
when you go out to meet people, like I want to meet a person, I want to date, you have to put on a fucking show. Like you can't create this profile and then right. like just sit back like a lummox while all the replies come in and filter through them like some sort of fucking king or queen. Like you had to go out and do shit and be interesting. You had to put on a blazer. You had to like yes. do yes. banter. You had to say interesting things. You couldn't well, craft a persona. In this case, you had to you had to lie. You had to lie. Yes, and so (laughs) it but it 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 captured this moment in time that for me I'm now nostalgic about. Yes, but at the time it it captured it perfectly, and I I don't feel that I ever hear that movie talked about in that way. Well, and let's get into another special thing for me, but more for you, which is Los Olivos. So yeah. I feel like for you, Los Olivos is is maybe your happiest place on earth. Like I I remember how much you enjoyed going on trips up there, and it is it's a beautiful area of California that's only two hours from L.A. Because people think wine country in California, they think of Napa, which yes. is five hours from. I've LA. never even been there. Oh, it's more. Isn't Napa like north of it's, San Francisco? It's, it's, yeah, like, it's like damn. five or six hours. Anyway, however far it is. Well, write us if you know how far it is from L.A. to Napa. But Los Olivos is is two hours away. And it's gorgeous up there. And you really do get, I mean, they take their time with a lot of beauty shots of the region in this movie. And I found it as a very nice postcard for that area. Well, also the movie in a way ruined it because now everyone knows about it. Right, that's uh, true. Right. Prior to the movie, you could go up there and it was really like just people on farms running little wineries. Like when they go into that first winery, Sanford, and there's a guy with, who looks like Neil Young. Like that was more the vibe. Yeah. And yeah. now it's like everything else, MBAs have taken over and it's yeah. corporate well, and, that, it's and there's it's... busloads coming in and it's bachelorettes right. and it's like, yes. eh. Oh. Well, it's funny you mentioned Sanford because they've been in business uh, for so long. They're now Sanford and Son. Hey, everyone. Um, <laughs> but, hey, everyone. How are you? Uh, so to get into it, and I, I had this thought right up top. Oh, I don't, I, oh go ahead. Go ahead, Goldie. I, well, I was gonna, I, I'll be interested in your first thought because I have one right up top, too. And I'm but mine right up top is I have never gotten to know a character in 30 seconds more than you get to know Miles Paul Giamatti. Yes. Now, can <laughs> I add to this? Okay. Yes, please. Now, we have seen the bad version of this movie a million times, which yes. would be the alarm would go off, mm-hmm. they'd close yeah. on the clock, and it would say 10.38, and he'd be, there'd be yeah. sur- yeah. wine bottles surrounding him. Fuck! Pretty he'd hit the thing, you know, and, and, and as Patrick Megan, the Family Guy writer, jokes would be in the screenplay, this is our hero? Yeah. <laughs> and it's terrible. Yes. But the way they do it, is so much better, which so again, better. It, it speaks to how sometimes good writing is so close to bad writing. Yes. It, it really totally is. Right. And you're telling the same story as often in good writing and bad writing. But in good writing, you're doing it in a way that draws you in, which is black screen, knock on the door, knock, knock, yes. knock. <laughs> Miles opens the door. And the first person you see isn't Miles. It's the guy... The, the super of the landlord. building. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Who says, you have to move your car because the roofers are... So you get that this guy is in a situation. It's, it's loserville. It's yeah. Like right away. And then you go out and you see... He has a loser parking space. Like he has a yeah. loser car. This old, actually, I like the car, but... I like the car too. But it's in a... Like he's parked 
and he's just into a curb, and then he has to move into another loserish <laughs> yes. parking space. The whole thing is just so loserish. And, um, and, and to your point about the cell phones earlier, so he goes and does that. And, and, you know, of course, it's another funny thing where he's pissed off. Like when the guy bangs on the door, he's like, what? And the guy's yeah. like, yeah, he's the, the, the super's even more pissed off. He's like, you got to move your car. You're parked wrong. And he's like, oh. And he springs into action, parks his car, runs back into the apartment, goes to his stove clock and goes, <laughs> fuck. Like that's yeah. the right. first time he realizes what time it is. Whereas today, you'd have your cell phone in your pocket. Right. You would have sent yes. two texts by the time that happened. But then we get to listen to him with a hilarious, like he's lying to well, his friends. Well, that's the first. I mean, you, you established the first thing that this guy is just a compulsive liar, and that was such a great way to. It's, it's like there's so construction in my building, so much. Yeah. But I mean, and now in in 2022, watching it in 2004, I just thought it was funny, and now it's like, oh my god, this guy's an alcoholic. Like, yeah. Right? He's well, so what's hungover. It, and what's so interesting too is because they start this character off. We see that he's a loser. We see that he's smart. He's doing the crossword on the toilet. We see that he's lying. He goes to a lie right away to make an excuse for himself. He's he's selfish because he goes to the cafe to pick out his breakfast for himself, knowing how late he is. I know. I know. And he's doing the crossword on the drive up, which I thought was hilarious, like on the wheel while he's driving. But uh, what becomes even more interesting is and we've talked about this dynamic before, I think with Cheers, when you have Sam Malone, who's dumb, but then you have Coach, who's way You've more dumb. dumb. <laughs> yeah. right, so yeah. you have this character, Paul Giamatti, Miles, who's a liar. Then you meet Thomas Hayden Church, <laughs> who's a much bigger liar. Yes. And it's like, and you get oh, to watch amazing. Paul Giamatti sort of bristle against this thing, which is such a great dynamic because... The things that you don't like sometimes in your friends are the things that you recognize in yourself. Oh, yes. So often. when Paul Giamatti gets very uptight about Thomas Hayden Church's lying throughout the movie, and you know <laughs> that it's because he feels it in himself, and he's just like, oh, my God. But anyway, the introduction between the two of them was so funny because when, when Paul Giamatti finally gets up to... Uh, where Tom and Thomas Hayden Church is with his in-laws in uh, Los Angeles. And he comes in and he's making all the excuses of like, you know, I got to, everyone's getting an early start, I guess. Well, of course, I got a late start. <laughs> Thomas Hayden Church is instantly not buying it. <laughs> yes. like he's standing there scowling at him, like angry at his friend for making him hang out with his in-laws for an extra hour. But also <laughs> that, that was so much in the acting. I, I want to get back to this for a second because yeah. I, I want to say two other things about that as he's coming up to LA and you see the the you know the what would now be a drone shot of the sob on on the 5 freeway yeah yeah so these are things that you know as a writer you're so concerned with scenes and dialogue but the visual language of the car and the establishing these aerial views of the car for the way they cash in so smartly later in the movie where you see the sob turn in a different direction at the end of the wedding like that means something because you've now seen the car in this aerial footage yeah. yes. several wow. times and you've established in your mind with it never once being hammered that it becomes very important the direction cars turn in the movie. Yeah. Yes. And it's wow. it's yeah. And no, it, that it will... marks a character breaking point when you see his car turn away from the other cars that like uh, that stuff is the I, genius of film. 
You're right, and yeah. I noticed that exact thing when、um, there are a couple of points in the movie where they're going on double dates with、uh, Sandra O、oh、and Virginia Madsen up in and Los Olivos, and you see on Miles's first sort of failed date. The car sadly turns. You know, he's given directions、yes. back to the hotel, and then after the second date, when things are going better and he's about to get、yeah. lucky, the car pointedly turns the other way、yeah. out of the driveway, and you realize, oh, they're going back to her. And place, it's just one car. It's just one car, right? Yes. There was something else I noticed because it's funny that you brought up the thing about the cars because I didn't notice that until you said it. But there's another thing in this movie which I had never noticed before, and I've seen it a bunch of times, which is there's a lot of people. Sleeping and being woken up in the movie, well, and, and I wonder if that means something. I mean, there is the way the movie starts is black, knock, knock, knock. He's asleep, and the way the third act starts when Thomas Hayden Church has had、uh, sex with that woman and had to run through town is black screen, knock, knock, knock. Opens、yeah. a door. Thomas Hayden Church is naked at the door. Yeah. Yes, so it's it's、right. it's like I don't know that it means anything, but what it is is elegant storytelling. Right. Yeah. That's what it means. And they did it a few. They did it a few more times. There was the the hilarious、uh, scene at the beginning when they go visit Paul Giamatti's mom, and the mom is such a great actress, and <laughs>、yes. she pops up and other stuff, and she's always good. But they end up staying overnight, which was not part of the plan. And Thomas Hayden Church is face down asleep on the bed, and Paul Giamatti wakes him, and he gets up very funnily, and they just kind of walk out of the house. There's another scene where Paul Giamatti like kind of passes out in his bed reading Barely Legal. Yes, and、oh, then、yeah. he, he it slides off his chest, and he wakes up and heads out for the night. But it made me wonder, like, was he trying to make some statement about like life being a dream? I don't know because. So many of the montages had a very dreamlike quality to them. The way the the lighting was, the way the the boxes would kind of separate,、yeah. and everything was under sort of a light jazz music. Like it just felt the whole thing felt very dreamy. But I couldn't quite figure out why he was saying that or if he was saying that. But it、yeah. just seemed to.、Happen. I don't really have enough of a film critic mentality to know. I mean, I no, I really do I. don't watch movies in that way.、Um, I do want to go back. To the、back. the first meeting with Jack at the in laws' house, and and again, it's like <laughs> the simplicity of the writing. They're just and by the way, the set design and the music also are impeccable because that was such a specific. You know, I feel like if you saw that today and they were trying to do comedy, the home would be palatial, like everything would be an extreme. But it、yeah. wasn't.、Yes. It was just it was nice. nice. They、yeah. clearly yeah. rich. They have a big TV, marble floor, and like. The in-laws, like today, I feel like they'd accentuate the accent and they'd be ridiculous, like please eat some, eat some,、yeah. you know, and they'd be offering different kinds of ethnic food. It would be too spicy, like they yeah. wouldn't. Yeah. And yeah. instead, you you just got immediately who this guy, who the father-in-law was, when he says, "Is the book fiction or nonfiction?" Because he doesn't have、yes. time for fiction. I love that line. Which so you know what Thomas Hayden Church is getting into. Yeah. But also, like Thomas Hayden Church. Kept a lid on his frustration and anger in front of his in-laws in a good way. That you know this this movie again. What if you looked at a sheet of paper with the dialogue and what was happening? I don't think it's world-beating at all. But the fact that like, well, what's the point of that scene? Well, it's the first time Thomas Hayden Church beta tests the lie of Miles publishing a book. Yes,、ah. kind of pointlessly. Right. But you. Well,、totally、what you、pointless. get, and I think I think this was. You know, to to your point, a larger point was that 
it's the actor versus the writer. It's these two archetypes of one endlessly pessimistic. The writer thinks the world's going to shit, overly intellectualized, can't get out of their own way. And the actor <laughs> is is just vision boards and you yes. create your own reality and S <laughs> yep. training and all this all this positive thinking lunacy that you manifest <laughs> right. things by saying them. Yeah. And right. I, I, I thought that was done really nicely without like ever having a discussion of like, well, you're an actor, Jack, you know, your career relies on right. optimism. <laughs> Meanwhile, you know, I have to wait on a phone. I mean, again, the bad version of this, they sometimes good writing is just avoiding bad writing. Yes, <laughs> totally right. That's such a great point to make. And what you said before about the the fine line between good writing and bad writing. And I think a lot of that has to do with great performances and capable directing. You know, it's like, do you know as a director how you're going to get across in these first 30 seconds what a disaster Paul Giamatti's life is without overdoing it? And yeah. he didn't. He, he didn't overdo it with the direction. He didn't, you know, have dogs, you know, attacking him or a, any kind of overly silly stuff that you might say, see like, in the Like uh, no one drove version. by splashing a puddle all over. Right. right. <laughs> That's the perfect example. He didn't example fall. That he didn't right. fall for no reason. Yes. Like a, do a Sandra Bullock kind of fall. Whoa, fall. No. So they've set up these characters who are, you instantly know, and they're great. And, and Thomas Hayden Church, his flip when they leave the house, you know, they're waving goodbye, bye, bye. And like the second they're out of like eye shot, he turns to Miles and goes, Miles, what the fuck? <laughs> yes. Like, so angry with him for being late. So anyway, and al they. And also, yeah, like, to just to continue that is when they're in the car driving right after that, I mean, you talk about like building a realistic relationship, realistic friendship, is he knows Miles is hungover. Like, yeah. he, yes. he points it out. And then they just hilariously, in a way that you couldn't do today, start drinking and driving. <laughs> right. Yeah, I great. know. There's a lot of that in the movie. <laughs> There's a lot yeah. of that. I noticed after a scene where it's just all cuts of them opening different bottles of wine, they're like happily driving home. It's like, all right, that might not fly today. No. Um, but you're right about the realistic relationship. And, and what's good is you don't have one who's dominant over the other, which I feel like is a, a good a really good way to write a long friendship in a, in a movie. They both call each other out on bullshit within that, that scene that you're talking about where Thomas Hayden church says, Oh, bullshit miles. You're hung over. And he, yes. he is like, he gets him. <laughs> and then moments later when they're driving and there's the, one of the funniest lines, I think in the whole thing, when Jamadi traps Thomas Hayden church by saying like, Oh, did you read my, the rewrite of the novel? And he's like, oh, yeah. yeah. And he's like, well, what do you think of the new ending? Oh, new ending vastly superior to the old yeah. ending, which is such a funny way of delivering that line. And, of course, Paul Giamatti's like, there is no new ending. You know, yeah. that it's, Well, maybe everything around it just changed. Oh, you think? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that yeah. was a perfect delivery. A very broad <laughs> take, but very, very good. Um, so then as they're winding their way up, they do a surprise visit, which is also a very funny thing that would never happen in this day of smartphones and, and all that shit where you would have communicated ahead of time that, uh, hey, I want to stop at my mom's. But instead, <laughs> it was sort of sprung on Thomas Hayden Church, who, to his character's credit, kind of rolls with it and enjoys, I think, being the star because he's an actor. He's well, a this commercial is, this actor. Is, this is a really good point and good writing is 
how do you get out Thomas Hayden Church's backstory without making us realize we're getting backstory? Or as they yes. call it laying pipe in our yes. trade. <laughs> mm-hmm. In our trade. Um, and it's and the and so what purpose does this visit to the mom have? And it, it does three things perfectly. The first is you give her this very funny character, the backstory of a famous actor bringing me flowers and you know, the, you were you were Derek Summersby, and he says that that was eleven years ago. So you you get his vibe is like, yeah, right. He's on the decline, but like, yes. no one had to say that, you know. And and we've gotten the information in a delightful way. Yes, yes, absolutely. Um, and you're you're one hundred percent right. You don't recognize that the pipe is being laid. You're just yeah. drinking. You're just drinking the water. And and so the second thing is like it appears like this could be kind of a, a MacGuffin, right? Like why are they there? It's just for comedy. But no, the second thing is he steals money from his mother. That yeah. uh, was so painful. Which is so unlikable. The, and the fact that like we're still able to like the character, but the way they get you to buy it back is after he steals it, and you see the pictures on the dresser. And again, this is yeah. such good writing. The picture of him with his dad, which yep. is a real picture of Paul Giamatti and his dad, A. Bartlett Giamatti, who is commissioner of Major, Major League, League Baseball. Baseball. Yeah. Oh, um, you what? see the picture of him as a kid and the innocence. And then you see the picture of his wedding with his ex-wife and yeah. you get what this guy has been through yeah. with three pictures and yeah. no one said a yes. fucking word. And now we see his agony and that's all you need yeah. to by whatever this character does, jacking off to barely legal. Yeah, I know. Every freaking bad thing he does is you forgive him. Yeah, yeah. And it's totally right. And also, we've talked before on the podcast about something called scene blows. Okay, so scene blows, uh, it's just a joke, another term for a joke that ends the scene. So you theoretically want your scene blow to hopefully be the funniest joke of the scene, or at least very funny. So you can can cut that scene and go on to the next scene and people are laughing. So the scene blow of that scene was so great because you watch him steal from his mother and he takes a good amount of cash out of that watch. Yes. And you, as you said, Goldie, you see him painfully reminisce looking at those photos. He goes back down to this ridiculous hodgepodge dinner outside and then for the scene below, the mom leans in and says, do you need some money? And it was like, yes. oh, my it God, hurts. that was such that was a great perfect. way to end that scene. It's like, oh, my God, you put us through this painful experience that we did not have to go through. But it was it, that that made it so excruciating yeah. and hilarious at the same time. But yeah, so th- then they leave. And yeah. then the next scene at this at this diner when they get breakfast begins to set up the game for the movie and like what? the story is going to be, which is, and it starts. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. 
conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Again, like, the bad version would have been they just get to the car and, and Thomas Hayden Church goes, look, man, I'm going to get my nut off on this trip. Like, he just <laughs> right. comes out with it because yeah. he comes out with it. And, and it's like, we need to move. So that's we'll just set it up in the car. But the way better way that they do it is they're just having this breakfast that you're not bringing any expectations to. And a waitress comes to the table and he makes Thomas Hayden Church makes a lewd comment. Yeah. And then you see Miles bristle at it. Yes. So you get this is conflict already. And yeah. again, conflict doesn't have to be that big. It's just, hey, I'm the and and that felt very realistic as we all have a friend who Totally goes too far, makes you uncomfortable, and you're just like, I just want to eat breakfast. I just like you see, Miles has a plan for the weekend, which yeah, is yeah. not Jack's plan. And then what what they did nicely is they sort of don't give you the full thing in this scene, which is Jack says, "I'm gonna get you laid as my gift to you." Right, um, right. Which which we don't realize at the time. This is a lie. Yeah, it, yeah. And subsequently, I've himself. now seen the movie so much, I've almost forgotten. But like. That's a great setup for a turn in the next yes. breakfast scene they have, which is like, yes. fuck you, I'm getting laid. <laughs> <You're> right, <laughs> Don't right. get Don't in my way, which was, up. <laughs> which was the real thing that he didn't say in the first breakfast scene. Oh, it's, it, was, it was all done so well. Right. And it's, um, now, JC, to this point in the movie, are you interested at all or are you just yeah. going nuts? I've loved it. No, no, no. Okay. I was intrigued. I, I kind of wanted Paul Giamatti to meet someone and have a fling, and yeah. and I enjoyed not liking Thomas Hayden Church's character. You yeah. know, I kind of liked that, but I also liked laughing at the situations that yeah. he got them into. Yes. Um, I, I enjoyed the the tension and the being irritated at, at both of them at different times. Like, I just, I found it funny yeah Yeah. well there's also the the inherent ridiculousness of like i've got to go get laid well you got to go 30 miles north of santa barbara then (laughs) yeah (laughs) just just the plan is not good like there are not that many people up there in general they're probably with someone else it's like you know the bad version again would be we're going to vegas you know (laughs) right and it's, Um, it's interesting that because we've talked about it now a little bit here where on the surface, this movie feels like a relationship movie between the two of the, these characters. And it sort of has this vibe, I think, out in the world of like, it's a little artsier than your usual comedy, which of course it is in, in all the best ways. But they do not neglect what we were just talking about, jokes and scene blows, they, they're there, and they're very funny. Like that first uh, winery where you really start to get a sense of what you were talking about earlier, Goldie, that Paul Giamatti knows his stuff with wine. He's teaching Thomas Hayden Church how to smell it, to you know, get the oxygen in it, to swirl it around, to, and we hear him going through the process of sniffing it and calling out the different things that he smells. Holding and also, his ear for clarity. Holding his ear, which was insane, <laughs> but I loved it. And then, so he goes through this elaborate thing, teaching Thomas Hayden Church, like saying, do this, smell this, do this. And then at the very end of the scene, he looks at him and he goes, 
are you fucking chewing gum? <laughs> Which was so hilarious. It was such it was a great, great joke at the end of that. It's like, of course Thomas Hayden Church is chewing gum. And watching the progression, because there is none, of Thomas Hayden Church's character, his progression in air quotes, yeah. when he starts hooking up, you know, with Sandra O, oh, which we'll get to, but he comes back that one time after Paul Giamatti walked in on them having sex, and he's sitting down at the bar, and he's like, Thomas Hayden Church is talking about their day. He's like, yeah, she brought me out to the to the vineyard, and it's really, it's really <laughs> interesting. I really feel like I'm getting to know the process, like with the soil and the collection, and we had some grapes that showed promise of structure, and it's like, you yeah. are so fucking full of shit. And you see Paul Giamatti's face, that whole scene, like, I fucking loathe this version of you like i hate that you're doing this well, i mean it captures a couple things perfectly which is like the the actor phony thing of yes of the instant expert the, yes. the thing that you taught them about they now know as much or more than you um but it also caught that that vibe of like as you get older and you travel with friends like Contempt yes. can just arise so, so quickly. Easily. Yeah. So easily. It, it, it's so it's almost not worth it to go. It, you just go. Like the idea of us, and we've gone to Los Olivos together yeah. with our, our yeah. wives. And I, I mean, but the idea of us going and sharing a room and how oh. fucking weird that would be at this <laughs> point. Nightmare. Yeah. Nightmare. <laughs> and like the fact that they're, sh- they're two adults sharing a room, like they're, it's, it's that. I responded to as well as it, it captured a really specific time in your life. Like I'm not sharing a room with a friend ever again. Never, <laughs> never. Yeah. The circumstances have to be so strange for that to happen. It would never be a planned trip to go share a motel room up in Los Olivos. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, but I want to, I want to yeah. go back a little bit. Yeah. Cause we've, we've glossed over some stuff. Yeah. Sure. My, my favorite joke in the movie that I only saw probably the eighth watching was as they're in that first diner having breakfast and, He's talking about Miles is talking about going to therapy, and he says, "I'm I'm I mostly just help my shrink with his computer." I know, <laughs> I just heard that for the first time too. It's brilliant, um, <laughs> but there's also like you know you talk about and in TV the executives harp on this constantly is the character needs to be likable. They need to be likable, which I I always hate that I think I that like. You like the character if they look like you or if you relate to them. You don't like them because they're just a saint. Right. 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 One Boring of the, if totally. That's like curb the, your enthusiasm. Yeah. One of the funny things throughout this movie, and it, it is a little bit of an arc, is as much of a loser as Miles is and an alcoholic <laughs> Is his condescension toward people in the service industry? Yeah, like in that first winery scene, Thomas Hayden Church says, "You know a lot, Miles. You could work in a in a winery," and he, and he says something like, "Oh yeah, that'd be a fucking great move." And the guy's standing right there who <laughs> right, works in right. a winery. Right. And then later on, when when you know Thomas Hayden Church is trying to get him to be with the Maya character, the waitress, you know, Tom uh, Giamatti says, "Oh." You know, she's a waitress at fucking Buellton. How would that work? Like, it's, it's like, you're, <laughs> yeah, you're doing you? nothing. You're doing nothing. <laughs> yeah. She has a job. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. And so we sort of further the plot where at one of the wineries they go to, I think on the second day, they run into Sandra O, oh, uh, plays Stephanie, who's working at one of the wineries. And they do such a great job of 
conveying the electricity between the two of them yeah. uh, be- before, you know, you know they're going to hook up right when they meet. And it's not done, again, the... There's nothing on the page. Right. There's nothing on the page that's, like, overt or they're not giving, like, big innuendos or whatever. And, every and it's little... not Sorkin banter. It's not nope. like, oh, they right. see in each other this this cleverness that, that, <laughs> yeah. that they, they both relate to. Yep. It's, it's a simple thing that I've noticed now a few times uh, from watching the movie where when Sandra Oh is pouring the wine for, for Paul Giamatti for Miles – she just gives a couple of looks over to Thomas Hayden Church while she's doing it that lets the audience know, okay, this is on. Like, this is happening. Yeah. And, yeah. Never obviously. had those looks in my life. <laughs> Never seen them. I, I was confused because I thought she could either be sort of turned off by Thomas Hayden Church and just sort of playing with him. Nope. And then it took a turn where I was like, oh, no, she's into it. <laughs> she's into it. And again, that speaks to the the actor's mindset, which they nailed so well, where he's going to make his lies believable. Like he, So the, the game that he's running with Sandra Oh is very believable to her and right. to him probably and 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 Paul Giamatti says it later in the movie when 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 all the lies come to the surface and Virginia Madsen is yelling at him and Paul G- and she's like do you have any idea what he's been saying to her and Paul Giamatti's like I'm sure he believed every word of it right. which yeah. is so perfect it's like yes you have this sort of vapid actor brain and but all you know is to throw yourself into this part and he really he really does so but it's 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 the writing of the whatever the character's conflict is doesn't have to be so important like an asteroid is gonna hit the earth right or i'm gonna lose my home but it's like Thomas Hayden Church, from the time they're walking to the hitching post to the first time, and he says, I'm not sure I'm doing the right thing with Christine. Am I doing the right thing? To him going, this Maya chick, and and uh, the Stephanie chick, I'm sorry. And when I'm with her, it's like, I went deep last night. And you see, like, oh, he's on (laughs) some other level. To the flip of then he's going after the waitress in the barbecue place. And it's like... You know, trying to go, this guy doesn't even, like, have a filter. Like, he just needs anything. He's an animal. And then to the flip of his nose is broken, he's naked, and he goes, I can't lose Christine. I know. know. And the genuineness of his acting, again, Uh. you... You buy it all. Like, you're kind of like... Totally. I, I, he's taking you through the full ringer of emotions yes. in four I days. Know. It's a, and I think we should also pause at this moment to shout out uh, The Hitching Post, because I know that's one of your Great favorite restaurants. Restaurant. Yeah. And yeah. so The Hitching Post is just kind of like the most famous, and, and now a lot because of this movie, but the, it's just a great restaurant up in Los Olivos. So if you're if you're going to that area, be sure to go there because it's it's a great experience. It just it's not like one of those five star Michelin places, but it's just really good food, great wine, and a cool atmosphere. So we're bound to the hitching post. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I think I like I think we can almost just breeze through a lot of this now that we've, yeah, sure. we've talked about the major good points of it. But you know, one of the things that they do well in Act Two is you keep upping the ante, which is like you learn Stephanie has a kid. You learn this means this isn't just a fling for her. And you learn right. that Jack is feeding the fire because he's an actor and because 
he doesn't even understand himself and know what he wants, that he'll say anything to anyone. Yeah. Yep. And that then they're meeting the mom so quickly that he's yep. now in the family. He's he's referred to as Uncle Jack. You see the kid, yeah. which is just so breaking. <laughs> right. To, <laughs> yeah. to know what it means so that when by the time he gets hit in the face, you want to swing that motorcycle helmet yourself. <laughs> yes. Yes, yes, totally. And those moments along the way where he's and this happens so often with these sort of like friendship trips or th- this kind of situation where one guy starts hooking up with a girl instantly leaves his friend behind yes. like for, for everything. <laughs> so there were so many times where he would just come back to the motel for like a quick second to turn around and continue his escapade of fucking and make a uh, half-hearted Sarah. promise of like, yeah. and, you know, we'll meet, it. we'll get Maya yeah. at the restaurant. We'll <laughs> play, hit up some golf because one thing I related to Paul Giamatti in this movie. And again, it being what I said is a Gen X movie. I don't know if it exists today as much, which is like, the friend who is in a relationship when you're not like they have everything you want yep. and they're willing to so casually toss it away because it's like, I'm not sure I even want it. And so he's he's got a he's got, a, you know, a beautiful home. He's got a beautiful wedding he's about to set up, get set up with. And then it's like he's throwing it away and you see Paul Giamatti's heartbreak. But then you learn at the dinner, he Paul Giamatti cheated too. Like he, yeah. <laughs> yes, you, yep. he, these guys deserve each other. I know it's so true. <laughs> that was a surprising reveal. I remember when I first saw the movie because you're kind of used to the looking at Paul Giamatti uh, as the lovable loser, and to find out that he had such a complicated backstory and that that he his, the the dissolution of his relationship was his fault yeah. is crazy. But there was such good dialogue even within that Thomas Hayden Church reminding him like do you because he keeps pining Paul Giamatti for his ex-wife Victoria and Thomas Hayden Church reminds him he's like do you remember the bad times in that relationship how small she used to make you feel and like that that absolutely was such great dialogue it's It's the specificity and it's like again you think about oh what needs to happen in a movie like the the Connecting the dots of the Paul Giamatti relationship from the the picture on the dresser to the drunken call, you know, to learn learning she's with someone else, having to pound a bottle of wine instantly to the drunken call. She doesn't want him to call him anymore. And then he finally reconciles himself to I can go to the wedding and I can see her and then learning she's pregnant. And the writing in that scene, again, on the page, it's just, oh, I won't be drinking at the wedding. I'm pregnant. Yeah, you're pregnant. Like there's, there's so little actual writing on the page at that moment. But yes, yeah. it's it to me it's it's like the intelligence of what not to write again, again. That, yeah, that, you know, and, and the trust in the actors to do it. And I, it's it's such a hard thing to do. And you almost need to be someone of Alexander Payne's caliber to be given the rope to do that. Yes, totally right. Totally right, and and I think it, to say like ha- when we get to the set, I'll, I'll just make sure it really hits him when she says, right. "I'm pregnant." Yeah. Yes. Yes, and 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 we keep mentioning a- a Alexander Payne, and I feel like we should mention Jim Taylor because I saw at the beginning that they wrote this together, and that yep. Jim Taylor uh, wrote co-wrote Election and About Schmidt oh. and The Descendants, so they clearly work together. So shout out to to Jim Taylor as well because he's he's doing 
excellent work. Yeah. Um, well, there, yeah, go ahead, JC. I have a question. When, when Paul Giamatti, and, I, and if I'm getting ahead, just let me know, but when he no, reveals... No, there's no ahead anymore. Okay. Just, yeah. When he reveals to the woman that he was hanging out with, Virginia, Virginia Madsen's Madsen, character, yeah. that his friend is getting married, and she's like, wait, you know, that whole scene yeah, where he reveals that? great. Would you, either one of you, if that had been you... Would you yeah. had gone to your friend and said, hey, I accidentally blew it for you? <laughs> oh, that's such no. a tough question. No, the plausible <laughs> deniability, which again was so great about that, is that at, like you were in Thomas Hayden Church's shoes as he was getting that information when when Paul Giamatti says, well, we, we talked about it at the restaurant. Like that was now an hour, 20 minutes ago in the movie. And it's like, did did they mention yeah. it at the they restaurant did. they like, did yeah but oh. I, that i absolutely yeah. would not have said you wouldn't anything, have said no. anything yeah, to I your friend like i, oh, I feel like out. i want to say that i would have but i feel like i definitely would not have and I, and it was so interesting to watch that dynamic unfold because thomas hayden church knew that he he that paul giamatti fucked it up for him and yeah. he but Paul Giamatti would not budge right. on the lie. And he, but like he, he, he also didn't give him any warning. Like, hey, you might no. get a helmet to your face, you know? Like, But then know. him, Paul Giamatti, getting that wallet was like crawling through the air ducts in Die Hard. You know, like <laughs> yes. that, was yes. the, that was the hero yes. moment that, that, so that you get yes. the friendship yep. that it's like, yeah. okay, when, the, when all the chips were down <laughs> and yes. someone needed to go in and do the brave thing. It wasn't the big charismatic guy. Right. Yep. It was the little worm who who yep. did it. And yes. also shout out to uh, the actor MC Ganey, who was the husband oh. in that scene because <laughs> he has my exact body, just a foot taller. <laughs> <laughs> so it's I, so I give, funny. I give him credit for running naked in that How, scene. When because... I watched that movie in 2004, when it came out, I was like, oh my God. And now he's, having sex with that woman and like then you had to watch those two people have sex and now in 2022 i'm like yeah i mean that's that's like that woman's hot and like yeah, that's yeah, what yeah, i yeah. look like <laughs> right right sign me up all of a sudden yeah, the, the tables have turned it's true that's so true when the first time i watched it and he's hitting on that waitress we all have that feeling of like what are you doing and then that now was what, what it was supposed like, to be Dude. and now it's also like that physical type is is a lot more in vogue where it's That's like, true. oh yeah, yeah she's thick. Sure. Yeah, yeah she's great. Right. she looks great. Like thick. she's better than the other girl who's way too skinny. She looks like there's no meat on her. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. There were, there, that scene after, so uh, what JC was just talking about when Paul Giamatti kind of accidentally gives away the fact that Thomas Hayden Church is about to get married uh, and so his relationship with Sandra O oh is is all bullshit, and he's been lying to her. And then Sandra O oh has that very satisfying moment of, of beating the shit out of Thomas Hayden Church with her her uh, motorcycle helmet. And then you have these great scenes of Thomas Hayden Church getting out of the the urgent care center with his nose bandaged and his <laughs> eyes black and blue, and he's get he's with the announcement that he has to have it rebroken soon to have it reset. <laughs> And then they have this very funny scene of the two of them sitting in the hot tub at that motel. 
where his nose is all bandaged up in black and blue and he just looks so angry and like and, and, and he's like that's when he's coming at Miles like are you sure you didn't say anything and Miles is like denying it and Thomas Hinchurch is just like I don't know man it all seems fishy to me <laughs> it was all just so great because again Thomas Hayden Church knows that Paul Giamatti fucked it up for him, but he can't he can't get it out of him. Like that's what that's one power Paul Giamatti has is that he can hold on to this lie and 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 feel morally justified at the same time because it's like Thomas Hayden Church deserved it. Like it was it was satisfying, as you yes. said, Goldie, to watch him get the shit kicked out of him. Uh but there were just way too many moments to to highlight in one podcast along the way about why this movie is so great. I think we got into a good deal of it. Like just, again, don't overwrite things. Don't feel like you need your characters to say everything. There's such a thing as subtext. There are artful ways to bring up backstory for characters, as we pointed out. And also do not in, you know, in your quest to create a great relationship movie, don't shortchange the jokes. And they didn't. Like, they, they no, somehow, yeah, so Alexander Payne and Jim Taylor managed to come up with great jokes all along the way. And uh, it's just a spectacular movie. And I look back, it, it won uh, the Oscar for Best Screen. Adapted Screenplay, which, awesome. thank God, because it, it clearly deserved it. And also, he was coming off of uh, Alexander Payne, uh, Election, and About Schmidt. And... Both of those probably deserved it as well. But the way Hollywood works is, like, if you prove over time that you can keep doing it, then we'll give you one. Like, Scorsese didn't win an Oscar until The Departed, which was, like, way too late. Oh, but So they gave these guys the Oscar, which they totally deserved for Sideways. So uh, a belated and 18 years late congratulations uh, to, to you guys for that. <laughs> I almost feel like next time we should do something that we disagree on. I okay. know. Yeah. Should find something that we're... We're just I, all over well, the map. It's not, it's not devil's advocate because we'd be praising that too. <laughs> <laughs> shattered glass. We've got a very shattered narrow, glass. We love that too. Um, Maybe anyway, Star that, Wars. Maybe I'll watch it for the first time. Oh wow! Oh, yeah, I defy you not to like it. You 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 would like it for com- you wouldn't dislike it for comedic purposes, but I actually think you would like it. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. Yeah, and also, by the way, we're we're still like months late on. You guys have a western to watch for me, oh, which I uh, we I've talked been about. That. Uh, open yeah, range, <laughs> open range, my friends. But we're not going to do that in the next couple of weeks because no, we can't just break down movies Good. week after week. Um, and a little surprise: we're all going to see Sideways the Musical. <laughs> <laughs> what a disaster! Um, what a great movie, though. That was golden. Yeah. I think this was your suggestion. So and I'd watch it again tonight. Me too. It's so I good. had that same feeling. It's one of those things you can just turn on and it's like you're watching your annoying friends hang out. <laughs> you yes. know, it's it was And the music, the Rolf Kant who I I is a friend of a friend, but you can't. just a masterful like with It was score. really great. It's interesting because I love the fact that like you said before when we were talking about the opening scene and it could have easily been the alarm clock, the stubbed toe, the splashed yeah. puddle, all the shit that we've seen a hundred times to kind of let us know, oh boy, things aren't going great for this character. Those scenes are often accompanied by some piece of light frivolous pop 
from yeah. the era. I was singing, I think, Delamitri earlier, that song, look around you, world yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, it's always music like that that doesn't stand the test of time and feels like a very specific time stamp. Whereas this, as you pointed out, the music, it's just, it's so, it's, it's really a lesson because people will pay top dollar to have License you know, either. six pop songs put yeah. spread throughout their movie because they feel it makes it more relevant and hip and more kids will like it or whatever. But this music they put in here, it's just a light, jazzy kind of thing that doesn't take itself too seriously. It never tells you when, what to feel or when to feel it. It's just yeah. helping to present the visual story in a great way. So I'm glad, glad you mentioned that musical because I, I really enjoyed it too. Well, speaking of music, I think that's, I think that's our cue. Good, good (laughs) cue to get into this week's top five. Top five. Oh yeah. We, boy, did we hit the brakes on sideways there. Okay. (laughs) So the top five this week uh, was my suggestion and it's uh, top five eighties songs for staring out the car window. <laughs> so we used to spend a lot of time in the 80s being driven places, staring out that car window, thinking about homework, thinking about am I ever going to kiss a girl, <laughs> whatever the hell it was, JC, maybe a boy. We'll substitute in there. I don't mean to presume, but I think that's how it turned out. So uh, do you guys want to want to go? I, I don't feel... Well, I've, I fucked up because I, I didn't remember the 80s part. Okay, it doesn't matter. Okay, Just yeah. music. Music in go. general is fine. Okay. Go ahead, cool. Goldie. Okay. Number five by Boston, Hitch a Ride. I love that song. (laughs) That's not the 80s, (laughs) but I do love that that song. Number four by Boston, Peace of Mind. Wow. Are you doing a whole Boston thing? (laughs) Number three by Boston. No. Foreplay slash long come. Come on. You didn't take this seriously. Number two by Boston. More than a feeling. Come on. And number one song of all time to look out the window while driving, Kokomo. (laughs) You asshole. You didn't take this seriously at all. I did. I did because I had had Hitch a Ride. And then I was like. Hitch a Ride is good. But, you know, foreplay long time. It's a good song. You're still staring out the window. And then you go. More than a feeling? Yeah. I, I yeah, could stare a great out the song. window. There, and then these you are go, great songs. Peace of mind, I could stare out the window. And then you just go, I'm going to wish I'm in Kokomo. Yeah, I guess, I guess. There's a logic there. Yeah, there is a logic there. It's skewed. Yeah. But there is a logic. Uh, all right, JC, did you take this seriously? I did, I did. Would you like to go? Okay, I'll go. I'll go. <laughs> okay, my number five is... Red Rain by Peter Gabriel. Oh, that's a good one. <laughs> what's his deal? Like, what's his, what's his He's vibe? awesome. He's not awesome. Is he just, like, sad? I think he's a little <laughs> sad about the state of affairs in the world. Is he just, like, sad? I think he's, he's right to be. I mean, is he just like, it's, a, it's kind of a bummer. <laughs> like, you go to the show and you're like, I'm going to hear a, a bunch of bummers and he's, then shock the monkey. He's kind of like <laughs> that's a, secretly that's a goth. That's the ultimate. I think like he's like, he is. like secretly. A pop he wrote. Goth. He wrote your eyes. He doesn't have anything to prove to anyone. <laughs> I don't dislike about, him. About, it's Re- just... about Rosanna Arquette, by the way. Oh, you know, I Rosanna know Arquette has got many great songs written about her. Uh, your eyes, and Rosanna by Toto what? is about her. Is that true? And I think there's and that's one about more. the eyes too. 
All I want yeah. to do when I wake up in the morning is see your eyes. See your eyes, wow. Rosina. God, these wow. eyes must be incredible. She must have some nice set of eyes. Yeah. Or okay. she must uh, do something well. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, number four. Oh, you're in a band? <laughs> Check out my eyes. Uh, number four. Everybody wants to rule the world. Great. Cheers. Great song. For fears. Great. She's guilty. taking this seriously. I love it. <laughs> I, I feel bad. <laughs> um, number three. Number three. By Crowded House. Don't dream it's over. We have overlap. <gasps> what? Love it. Yeah, I got goosebumps the... just thinking about it. <laughs> <laughs> Were we in the same station wagon? It's perhaps. perhaps. Uh, number two. With or without you. Oh, you great too. song! And, and they then, they okay. show blurry tit in the video. <laughs> Do so they really? You, yeah, if you want to look it up, blurry tit. <laughs> blurry tit. <laughs> you take what you could get back then. <laughs> and then number one, I knew this one before all of them was "Every Time You Go Away" by Paul Young. Oh, like cheese a, ball city! I know. But that's, that's a, it's a good song, though. <laughs> that's a good song. All right, here here are my five. All right, then. Number five, Mr. Thomas Petty told me to don't come around here no more. Ooh, Love yeah. that one. Yes. Rainy, rainy outside. Number four, don't dream it's over. Oh. Parentheses, hey now, hey now, hey now. <laughs> hey now. Kingsley. Uh, number three, oh, what a beautiful song this is. Simply read, Holding uh, Back the Years. Yes, yes. Really yes. good song. Um, number two, which was a question that I had through most of the 80s, <laughs> I want to know what love is by oh, Foreigner. Oh, that's great. Yes, that's yes, great, yes. Great. That gets I thought you, you were going to say, who can it be now? Ooh, <laughs> <nice>. <laughs> uh, and number one, and this was the one that, that uh, this was on Etched in Stone when, we, uh, when the, the uh, topic was proposed. The Dream Academy, Life in a Northern Town. Oh, yeah. Oh, wow. God. That's a great so song. So you can conclude by this that it was mostly raining <laughs> where I we mean, were. I mean, how did every day is like Sunday not make the list then? Oh. What do you mean? It, I'm not as, I'm, I know the song. I'm just not as familiar with it. I listen to the straight ahead pop. And these are these are over pop. wet sand back to the place where our clothes were stolen. All right. You, you <laughs> can't now one. suddenly take this seriously. It's a great companion piece Mr. to Kokomo. Kokomo. <laughs> yeah. It's both sides of the beach experience. <laughs> Goldie looking I should put window. out an album of, of wildly disparate beach songs. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Uh, disparate measures. I love it. Okay, so the now... The beach boys are now beach men. We Now we got to roll into next week's. Goldie, you got a topic okay. for us? Okay, yes, I do. The Great. top five people in history whose lives you would like to have led. Oh, that's good. Oh. Interesting. Very worthy. But... Wow. A lot of people who are assassinated suddenly coming up, so I have to skip over those. Well, <laughs> you know, you still might want the life. Uh, that's true. Yeah. That's true. That's a great topic. Yeah. Great topic. And Good we'll get mind into that. too. We'll get into that next week. But for this week, we're going to end our show the way we do every week on a high note. Love! Alex, it's Morty with a high note. My high note would be you agreeing to write the Chilly Willy animated feature. Now, if that's not right for you, we got something else. There's a Jetsons reboot you'd be perfect for, so page me. 
<laughs> I wondered. I wondered if Morty, aka Tom Gamble, was the Jensen's reboot's the like a perfect. <laughs> it's a real project. I know. The, yeah, call me Morty about that Jetsons yeah. reboot. They've been that, trying that might, to do that forever. Yeah, just when public interest is growing to its peak. Well, you know, space. <laughs> oh, now you're you're Robert Evans, the Jade Detective, Goldie. <laughs> Craig would be the Jade detective. <laughs> I've been saying that to myself always. I should have just I should have I should have just done a skidding U-turn back. <laughs> <Right>. The what? <laughs> the Jade detective. Do you have a Kleenex? Uh, all right. I'll I'll get into my high note. It's sort of straight ahead. So our friend and podcast guest Alex Borstein. Yay. Uh has is spearheading a charity called uh Mission Ukrainian Mothers. And I read about this. It's a very cool thing. Um, obviously, it's, you know, you, you make a donation to this uh, Mission Ukrainian Mothers, and it's helping displaced uh, mothers and families from the, you know, the war in Ukraine who are now scattered around Europe. It's helping them get job training, find new jobs to start new lives in areas that are not war-torn with their family. And I thought that was an That's awesome beautiful. thing. That's and great. you can make uh, donations through something called the Jewish Women's Foundation uh, of New York. So great job, Alex. I think it's an awesome charity. Awesome. That's a nice high note. Um, you want to go, Goldie, or should I go? Yeah, mine's going to seem great after that. Thanks, JC. <laughs> uh, really sorry. appreciate the courtesy. Um <laughs> Well, my high note, this is, this is pretty small, but so I, I would say I get as much gratification from fixing something in my house as I do from like selling a TV show. Yes. And, oh, wow. And not having to call a specialist to come and getting something that didn't work to work. And yes. I yesterday fixed the ice maker of my refrigerator. Oh, oh great wow. job. I've been saving, fights with mine. Saving a ton of money. Yeah. yeah. And also, like, just when I saw those first ice cubes drop in the tray again, <laughs> yes. and then know it was back on track, because I love ice. Yes. Yeah, me too. That Thanks I was so proud of myself. I felt I felt so good. And w- <laughs> did you have a frozen situation that you had to chip away, or what was I, it? I, I basically got a bunch of towels. It, the whole mechanism appeared to be frozen, but I wasn't sure. So I took a hair dryer. I pulled Ooh, the drawers yes. out, took a hair dryer, melted everything, and then meticulously wiped with the towels to prevent a refreeze. And then I had to go in the online documentation of the refrigerator and learn how to reset the system. Wow. Which I did. And then once I did and I heard the, and I was like, the tray is turning. (laughs) I love that. That's awesome. I got so emboldened that I ordered a faucet cartridge today to attempt to fix a dripping kitchen faucet. Oh, I love it. Oh, that's God bless you. That's a great high note. Yes. JC, what do you got? Uh, My high note is um, a few years back in when I was, when we were still in New York, I got a call to vocal produce this woman and I'd never heard of her. And I also don't really watch musicals or anything, but she was the voice of somebody um, from the movie, um, The Greatest Showman. She sang Never Enough. Okay. Her name oh, is Lauren wow. Allred. So she, I got a call because she was, she had worked with David Foster and she wanted somebody who was nice and would be, you know, kind of 
handle her with kid gloves. As I was opposed like, to David Foster. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> so we worked together. It was great. And then she's like a Celine Dion type. She's not really my wheelhouse. So we worked together. It was great. And then we moved on. Well, she um, auditioned for uh, Britain's Got Talent. Um, yeah. And she got the golden buzzer, I guess. Wow. And she is, her video has gotten like 30 million views from that. And she's in the semifinals still. And wow. so I'm, it's just sort of like, wow. Watching that, what's her, her name go, again? Lauren Allred. All right. I mean, well, anytime you can impress Piers Morgan. Is <laughs> 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 he on the show? Well, Simon Cowell's so. on it. Simon yeah. Cowell's on it. Yeah. And, That's... um, yeah, so that that's my high note for it's that's great. For Lauren Allred. That's a great high note. So you <laughs> you you get an assist on that for sure. Yeah, kinda. Just yeah, the, the, <laughs> lucky the cash will start it. rolling in just like <laughs> from <right>. this podcast. <laughs> um, all right, everyone. Very fun show. Funny. Thank you, Sideways. Thank you two for being awesome. Thank you. And thank you all for listening. And we will talk to you again next week. Look out. Look out.